Welcome back to Skin the Surface. My name is Dr. Rena Lau, and I'm your host for today's episode. On previous episodes, I talk a lot about different skin conditions that may be either directly or indirectly caused by the COVID-19 virus. As dermatologists, we not only evaluate the skin and nails, but as we mentioned before, we also take a look at the hair. Interestingly, since COVID-19, as dermatologists, we've been seeing more and more patients experiencing hair loss. I'm excited to talk about this topic and be joined by a close friend of mine and, and special guest, Dr. Mancha Sethi. Dr. Mancha is a board-certified dermatologist at Elite Dermatology practicing in Kinwood, Texas. Welcome, Dr. Sethi. Hi, Rena. It's so good to talk about this and talk about and connect with you on here. Yeah, of course. I agree. So let's just jump right into it. I have seen, you know, months of after recovering from COVID, a lot of patients come to me and say, you know what, I feel like I'm losing a lot of my hair. Mancha, can you explain why this may occur and what is this hair loss typically called? Yeah, sure. So I've been seeing a lot of post-COVID hair loss too. Um, And the medical word for this hair loss is telogen effluvium. Um, It's basically a condition that occurs three to four months after our body goes through a stress. And in this case, the stress is the illness, which is COVID-19. What basically happens is that there's just increased shedding of just otherwise normal hair, and people just start abruptly losing large amounts of hair, which can be stressful um, for a lot of people. And um, a lot of my patients feel that every time they brush their hair or just simply run their hand through their hair, they just have multiple strands or even sometimes like chunks of hair falling out. And it affects the whole scalp where people just feel like it can cause diffuse thinning all over their scalp. Right. Yeah, no, I see. I see that quite a bit. And uh, a lot of patients ask me, is this permanent? So... Telogen effluvium, by definition, is non-scar hair loss, which means that it is not permanent. And eventually, complete hair regrowth is expected, which, you know, it's a, I'm sure you feel that too, but it's important mm-hmm. to counsel the patients and kind of reassure them. Right. And I know you mentioned, you know, a stressful event on one's body. Is there any other times when someone can experience telogen effluvium? Yeah, so there's actually a lot of um, causes of telogen effluvium. So um, I'm sure everyone's heard about postpartum or post-childbirth hair loss, where um, a lot of moms do experience it um, after giving birth, since childbirth is a major stressor on the body too. Um, But other things that can cause it is just, you know, um, if you have a major surgery or certain medications can cause it as well. Um, And I've also had some patients who've um, started like a extreme diet or liquid diet or juice diets and even that can cause telogen effluvium and um, a lot of times newborn um, babies also have shedding of the hair which is similar process yeah that's that's really interesting that you also mentioned about the new diets because i i i feel like i see that quite a bit too um just you know extreme diets and rapid weight loss or even after bariatric surgery i've seen that where individuals may, uh, you know, I'm sure you've noticed that too, well, they'll shed quite a bit after the surgery. Right. Yeah, I 100% agree. And um, I do want to point out, though, that a lot of, not a lot of times, but in a um, fair amount of cases, um, even after we talk to the patient thoroughly, a lot of times we don't find a a definite trigger. Um, And there is a form of telogen effluvium, which is just 
called chronic um, telogen effluvium. It's, it tends to happen in women um, from ages of 30 to 60. But, you know, you want to make sure that this is the last thing you're considering, even you even after you talk to them and you ruled out everything else because you just it's kind of more like a diagnosis of exclusion. Right. And how do you diagnose these patients when you see them in the office? So the first thing you want to do is you want to talk to them and you to get a thorough story and a history and basically figure out what's been going on in their lives in the past um, almost three to six months because that's how long typically three months is when you start seeing the hair shedding after the event Um, and then you want to review all their medications any recent surgeries I always do a hair exam where you examine their scalp and make sure that there's no obvious redness, rashes, pus bumps, or other causes of hair loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if, you know, there's not um, an obvious cause, sometimes just for hair loss in general, um, I do run a basic blood work, which checks for thyroid, vitamin D, zinc, iron, and other levels, just to make sure I'm not missing anything that's going on in their body that's causing the hair shedding. Um, and then sometimes... When the cause is completely unclear, we might have to even do a scalp biopsy, which sounds scary, but it's actually not bad at all. We just numb a little small area on the scalp and take a little sample of the skin and send it to the lab for testing. That's, that's great. That's, that's great. Um, Other than hair loss, if I were to experience telogen effluvium, would I experience any other symptoms? Would I have scalp pain, itching? And if I experience these symptoms, what should I do? Okay, so technically telogen effluvium by itself should not cause any kind of pain, itching, flaking, um, and other symptoms like you just mentioned. So if you are having any of these symptoms, you definitely need to get examined by a physician, a dermatologist, where, um, you know, you let them do an exam, let them do some blood work if needed, like we talked about, and just figure out really what's causing um, your hair loss. That's a great point. Now, I know you mentioned the chronic telogen effluvium, but how long in general with a classic case of telogen effluvium, how long does it typically take to start to regrow the hair? And how long does that shedding, that process that you talked about where they lose the hair, how does that, how long does that typically occur? Right. So it all depends on the cause. Um, So I wish I had a clear answer. So a lot of times it can be weeks to months, which can be Mm -hmm. very scary for people. Um, If there is, for example, a medicine that you started taking that started causing the telogen effluvium, then obviously once you stop the medicine, the shedding should start slowing down. But with Mm -hmm. something like COVID, um, I've had patients have the hair loss for a few weeks to months, like I mentioned. That's, that's, that's a great point. Um, And then I know you mentioned, um, you know, how much we typically lose and, but a, a common question I get is, will I lose all my hair? What is your answer for when your patients ask you this question? What do you typically say? So, you know, as we all know, hair loss can be very, um, you know, concerning for people. And Mm -hmm. the good thing about telogen effluvium is that even though there is a significant amount of hair loss, you will not lose all your hair, um, even though in the moment you might feel like you will. But I always tell my patients that, look, you're not going to lose all your hair. 
um you might have some thinning but like we said regrowth can happen mm-hmm. and typically um an average human um you know we sheds about 100 strands a day which sounds like a lot but just it's normal for us to do that right that's a great point and when it comes to tackling telogen effluvium are there certain recommendations that you have um, certain treatments that you often recommend so um, the first thing i always do is tell my patients that you want to limit the amount of um, times a week that they're washing their hair um, ideally, I don't want them washing their hair more than um, once or twice a week. And, you know, limiting blow drying as well. Um, and if I do have some patients who love how their hair feels after they blow dry. So I just tell them that, you know, let it air dry for till when it's like 70, 75 percent air dried and then use the blow dryer. So you're limiting the amount of heat your hair. Um, other things that a lot of people ask about are, you know, like vitamins for hair, um, so the one that I like is Viviscal. Um, it's available online, and I feel like that's a good one where it's kind of like um, once and done, where if you're taking it, then you don't have to take a lot of other things. And you obviously want to correct any kind of abnormalities that show up on your blood work. So if you were to get your blood work done and you have a low vitamin D level, then you want to make sure that you're taking appropriate vitamin D supplement to correct it. But that's something you work with on um, with your doctor that's that's a great point any topicals that you recommend um so that's a good point um rena so rogan is basically um an over-the-counter hair um, topical that is available in a five percent strength um it doesn't matter if you use the men's or the women's formula but um the thing important thing about rogan is that if you are using it it's important to remember to use it every day um, and it can take up to six months to see any kind of um, obvious um, hair regrowth. Other topicals like finasteride or dutasteride, um, they're, they're prescription topicals that, you know, you can work with your dermatologist and get that compounded with the Rogaine to kind of get an added benefit. That's a great point. And I think I, I love how you mentioned about Rogaine and monoxidil being, you know, consistent with it because, you know, the the initial shedding that happens sometimes can be discouraging and, and just know that that can happen. And then, like you said, you know, just being consistent with it um, is also very important as well. Yeah, exactly. You just have to remember that, you know, a lot of people get scared about the initial shedding with Rogaine, like you mentioned, but if you keep on using it and you're persistent with it, you do start seeing the benefits. And then another thing that we do discuss with telogen effluvium patients in the office is that if they're having a lot of shedding, I always offer um, um, a, a Kenalog injections, basically mm-hmm. an injection that's done in the arm or the butt. Um, and that I feel has helped um, a lot of my patients to slow down the shedding a bit oh, too. Oh, that's great. That's good to know. Do you um, ever recommend any other, other treatments for patients with telogen effluvium? Um, have you found PRP to be helpful for these patients? Yeah, so um, PRP, like Rena mentioned, is basically um, plasma scalp injections um, that can be done in the office by a dermatologist. And uh, PRP is just great for, um, you know, kind of helping promote hair regrowth. Mm-hmm. And um, you can you can discuss it with your patients. I think it's a good um, add-on to offer them. 
um, and kind of, you know, see if they feel like that's something they would want to try in addition. Or another thing you can also do is, you know, um, kind of give it time for the telogen effluvium to slow down on its own and then mm-hmm. bring them back in a couple of months and then um, discuss PRP at that point as well. That's a, that's a great point. Because a, a lot of times, too, these treatments take you know, four to six months or, you know, six to eight months to really see a, a benefit from, right. from them. And so, and the telogen effluvium, as you said, you know, can take around that time period to start to slow down and start to see that hair growth. So it's kind of, you know, seeing, kind of letting that hair, that process kind of die out on its own and then reevaluating. Right. And um, I don't know if you get this question a lot, but um, do you feel like a lot of patients ask you about the oral collagen and what your views are with that and hair growth? Yeah, I do. I do get that question a lot. You know, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are too about it. You know, there, there's not a lot of great studies. I think that a lot of the studies I found are more, you know, anecdotal reports um, or observational studies. But I know from what I was reading too is, you know, collagen is really important for skin and hair and nails. But from my understanding, it's a really large molecule. Um, and so it's the absorption, whether or not it's adequately absorbed is still a little bit up in the air for me, at least. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I would totally agree that there's not a lot of good studies on it. And that's what I basically tell my patients that mm-hmm. the absorption is limited, like you said. Mm-hmm. So I tell them that, you know, it's not something that will um, harm them necessarily, but it also might not give a lot of benefit. Right. And, and there's so many, you know, differences between the powders and the liquids, but I haven't seen, you know, anything definitive out there in the literature showing, you know, powders better than the liquid or, you know, or or the, you know, how effective these really are. But like you said, you know, it's still up in the air and I'm sure as more and more, I think it's oral collagen is now there's a big hype towards it. So I think there's going to be more and more studies looking at it. I'm sure down the line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree um, that there's probably studies coming out. And then patients will always, I feel like, ask about any shampoos or conditioners I recommend. Actually, honestly, there's not a lot of benefit or, you know, evidence I found from shampoos themselves helping a lot. Because really, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, a shampoo is only on your scalp for a few minutes before you rinse it off. So unless they have anything else going on, like dandruff, flaking, itching, I don't really prescribe any shampoos. Right. Me, I mean, me either. I, and I just always recommend, like you said, you know, um, focusing on decreasing, you know, how many times a week you wash your hair, Um, you know, try not to condition your roots and uh, condition the ends and, and, let your hair air dry. I think that's really helpful too. And, and use a wide tooth comb. Sometimes when I brush my hair with a, you know, a regular hairbrush, I just notice I'm ripping out so many hairs. Right. <laughs> right. Any, any yeah. other recommendations you have for, you know, just when you get out of the shower, what should someone do? Should they, do you recommend people wait to blow dry their hair? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, you want to make sure when you're um, done with washing your hair um, that you don't, rub it aggressively with your towel you want to just gently pat dry um, and then wait let it air dry like for um, till it's naturally air dried for about Mm -hmm. like 70 to 80 percent and then use a blow dryer and make sure that even when you're using a blow dryer that you are using some kind of heat protectant spray um, Mm -hmm. just to limit the amount of damage 
that the heat is causing to your hair. Right. That's true. And, and nowadays too, when you go to the hair salon, they're trying to stay away from foil. Yes. Saran wrap. Um, Cause that's, you know, try to avoid any, like you said, um, added thermal damage to the hair. Yeah, I agree. And then, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of our patients do color their hair and it, it's okay if you're having telogen effluvium to color your hair, you know, but just want to um, try to do like an ammonia free hair color um, tends to be more gentle on your scalp. Mm-hmm. And do you like any certain um, like moisturizers for the hair or hair masks, or do you recommend coconut oil or any other essential oils that, you know, to lubricate the hair shaft? Yeah. So oils are interesting because I know a lot of people swear by oils and then there's mm-hmm. others who don't love using them. But right. um, if you are going to be using an oil, um, just pure coconut oil is really good. Um, mm-hmm. um, even like vitamin E oil is supposed to be good for the hair. And then some of my patients swear by pumpkin seed oil. Yeah, um, I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just want to make sure whatever oil you're getting that you're getting just the pure oil and not a lot of additives in it because you don't want to irritate the scalp. And I think you just avoiding plain petroleum or plain grease on the scalp, you know, try to avoid too, too, something too thick to the scalp, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and any kind of um, hairstyle you're doing, you know, you want to make sure that it's not causing a lot of pull on the hair. Um, like you don't want to do anything that is um, like if you have a ponytail, you want to make sure it's like more like a looser ponytail and not something that's, you know, really stretching your hair in the front. Right. That's a, that's a great point. Any other recommendations you have when it comes to COVID induced hair loss or any tips that, you know, you have for individuals who are listening and who are experiencing hair loss after having COVID? I mean, hair loss of any kind, whether COVID or anything, it's just, I feel like a lot of times it um, happens rapidly, but then the mm-hmm. regrowth can take time. And a lot of times it's just the patience and you just have to be patient. You kind of have to give your hair time to grow back. Um, I have a colleague who often says that, you know, waiting for hair to grow is like waiting a plant, like watching a plant grow. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be painfully slow, you know, so um, it's just kind of sticking with the plan with your dermatologist and, um, you know, doing follow-ups and, you know, when you go for a follow-up, you can always reevaluate your treatment options, um, and see what else you can do to kind of help your scalp and your hair. I love that. That's great. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. I hope you all learned a lot. I know I learned so much about telogen effluvium. Um, myself and some newer things out there, such as Viviscal, which is what Dr. Sethian mentioned. If you have any questions at all, um, or if you want to learn more about telogen effluvium, I encourage you to go on our website and our Instagram page at Skin the Surface Pod, um, as well as Twitter. Um, as always, stay safe and healthy, podcasters. <laughs>